Welcome back, Blue Gold Radio listeners. This is the Triple Threat Podcast, brought to you by the sports crew at The Spectator. You've got managing editor Ellis Williams, sports editor Trent Tetzloff, and Austin May here, editor-in-chief. Uh, pretty excited for our athlete guest interview today, but we'll send it over to Trent to give it the Blue Gold Roundup. All right. Uh, first of all, uh, cross-country teams are doing great things right now. Um, at regionals, the women took fifth overall. Um, and individual Lucy Ramquist from UW-Eau Claire placed first. Um, meanwhile, the men's team uh, took first overall, um, and both teams will now be competing at the national meet uh, Saturday in Oshkosh after both receiving national bids. Uh, the men's hockey team stays undefeated after tying St. John's 1-1 to this past weekend and also beating Concordia Moorhead of Minnesota 6-3. to um, They are now 4-0-2 and, um, and will play Concordia College and Lake Forest, Illinois this upcoming weekend. Um, also in news, uh, athletic director Dan Schumacher released uh, the full-time football staff um, of their duties, um, and they'll begin searching for uh, coaching staff uh, immediately. And also, the men's basketball team opened up the season with a 76-62 loss to St. Thomas, Minnesota, and will now um, be facing Luther College of Iowa in, on Friday. And now, back to Austin. Yeah, great segue, Trent. I'm going to introduce our athlete guest today. We've got Adam Jelter of the basketball team, officially now uh, listed as a junior guard. Uh, I'm going to jump right into it, right where Trent left off. Uh, had that 76-62 loss to St. Thomas. What did you really learn about your team and the way uh, your team can succeed this season from playing one of the best in the nation? Yeah, well, first I appreciate you guys having me on here. It's always of a good course. time. Uh, yeah, it was a tough loss. Similar game to last year, ironically. Uh, we started the game off really strong. We were hitting shots. We were guarding pretty well, um, but obviously it's a long game. There's a lot of runs in basketball. So... Uh, going into half, we felt pretty good, and the second half, it was kind of a flashback to last year. Um, down the stretch, they had a pretty good guard, the Schaefer kid. Uh, he kind of took over. They just ran ball screens for him. So I think the biggest things that that we learned this year from playing them a second time to open up the season, um, down the stretch was free throws. I think we shot 50%, something like 11 for 22. Um and ever since and every day of practice, that's been one of the focal points, among other things. Uh, it's a big part of the game. Uh, but I think some positives was the fact that we scored 70 points and we didn't shoot the ball well. Uh, Tyson had an off night, and that doesn't happen very often, but um, he wasn't shooting the ball well. We weren't hitting free throws, and we still scored 70. So uh, the fact that we obviously lost scoring 70, um, it tells us that we can we can score with the best of them. We're just going to have to uh, basically just do a better job of dictating what type of shots that other teams get. Cool. Um, yeah, and also, Adam, could you kind of give us a little update on your health uh, with the whole wrist uh, deal? So, uh, long story short, it's the same injury I had last year that was in my right wrist. Uh, I have it in my left wrist now. Uh, so... I had surgery a week ago today, actually, on Friday. Um, I get the splint off on Monday, this upcoming Monday, uh, and I'll rehab for two to three weeks. Uh, during finals week, mid-December, I'll be back. I should be 100%, so I'll take a couple weeks, get back in shape, and then I'll be back for uh, our Christmas tournament, uh, which is the 29th and the 30th of December, I believe. All right. We're happy to hear that you'll be able to come back. Uh, 
compared to last season, you know, obviously with your season end, ending injury, so we're looking forward to that. Um, I want to talk to you about uh, your guys' rotation when you return. Even with you out of the lineup, uh, the Leader Telegram, for, for people who aren't familiar, did an in-depth piece on it. Sort of the small ball uh, rotation you guys have the potential to do. Um, the piece talked about how it's in the NBA now, trickling down into the other levels. Um, talk about your guys' ability to do that, uh, why it works so well for your team, and how much of it you'll really use this season. Hmm. Yeah, well, we what we've kind of done to approach the season is we've worked with multiple lineups, which in the past um, we've kind of learned from from playing against some good teams that were versatile. They, they were able to... to play different styles within their own team and I think that's uh, a very effective strategy so as far as uh, playing smaller playing faster whatever the term is we've we've put in some things uh, with the team where we can go three even four guards at a time uh, different things offensively and then obviously it'll affect how we choose to defend uh, but we've also worked on having uh, bigger lineups in because uh, we have some very good size in our rotation this year with our front line um, so we've definitely we've definitely put in things that we can play with four guards or two guards and three bigs or one big and I think down the line when we get into conference play and it gets uh, when it gets tough to make plays and score and and play against the teams that you're very familiar with I think it'll be an advantage for us Obviously, you know, last season your team played its way into the Wyatt Kearney for the first time since 2008. And after beating River Falls in overtime and losing to Whitewater, I guess, what did the team learn from making uh, really the, the section semifinal last year? And uh, I guess where do you kind of <clears throat> see the team or where do you, where does the team do you hope to make it back to that spot? Is there really the belief that this tournament is your team's for the taking? Hmm. I think the biggest thing is when you get a taste of success, um, there's two routes you can go. Uh, you either enjoy what you've done or you get a little taste and you want a lot more. And I think uh, we took the latter, which is something that I tried to really, uh, I tried to really make that a focal point of our team is we, a lot of guys stepped up last year uh, and we did we did a good job in the second half of the season, but there's so much more we can accomplish. And um, we just came in right where we picked off. I mean, when we started preseason workouts, uh, we had a team meeting, uh, we had a players meeting, and we and we just laid the groundwork, made the new guys understand where we were at. And then the guys that returned, we basically picked up right where we left off. So obviously we've had a few guys um, get injured bumps in the road things like that and it's early but the good thing is early so we know it's a long season and we know the end goal what we're playing for all right uh yeah as you kind of mentioned uh just before uh, a couple of the young guys were able to step up last year george dickelman and jack martinick uh what impressed you about their game and uh how they've been able to grow over the summer definitely for george i think the biggest thing was as a freshman i don't think he was expecting uh, as much of a role as he had last year. He uh, he didn't really know what to expect coming in as a freshman, how um, the game was going to be different, how he was going to have an impact. You know, obviously transferring from high school where you, you're you expected to play, he was one of the better teams in a good Stevens Point program. 
he came in and I thought he did a good job. Obviously, he uh, had some ups and downs like all freshmen do, but being thrown into the fire, I think, was a good thing for him. He was a competitive kid. Uh, he can play, so I think that moving forward, that was an integral part of um, kind of opening him up to the college game, especially in the WIAC. And uh, as far as uh, Jack Martin, it goes, I was pretty proud of him. I'm pretty close with him as well as George. Uh, <coughs> but Jack, the opportunity for him to come in and start uh, and be a, an important part of what we're trying to do, I think was really good for him. He matured um, the most, probably one of the most, out of all the teammates uh, I've ever had in college last year. And it really helped him moving forward this year with his confidence and his and what he expects from himself and, and how to play and, and really grasp the concept of uh, how to win. Um, Adam, it's no secret that you, you, know, you haven't been on the floor with these guys since um, really a year ago from right now. Your season's cut short. Um, last season, this team goes through a, a real growing curve. You know, they takes a while to find their identity. Uh, they do that. You know, Tyson was coming off the bench um, last when you played. Talk about where you see yourself fitting in this lineup. Obviously, talent isn't the question, but you are the biggest basketball junkie I know. Uh, it's a chemistry thing. It's a rotation. It's a grooving thing. Um, where do you see yourself fitting in this lineup? What's the plan? Um, are those conversations you and Coach have had? Yeah, absolutely. And we've had them with the team as well. Uh, the biggest thing, I think, for me is just to stay in contact with the guys. Obviously, when um, an athlete isn't a part of the team for one reason or another, uh, it takes a toll and it's difficult. So the main thing for me is just staying active at practice, uh, being involved with what we're doing. Uh, I'll jump in and talk to guys during drills or when we're dry running our offense or working on our defense. I'll be on the sidelines with them while we're going through different things like that. Just let them know that I'm still there. And even though I'm not playing, I can still um, fulfill my roles as a captain. I think that's important. Uh, you know, goals, obviously, everybody thinks about playoffs from the beginning, but we're worried about the process of what we're doing right now, uh, developing our guys, you know, in individual workouts, uh, practices. Uh, I would say probably the last week and a half to two weeks, we've had 90% of the time at practice, it's been very good right now. Our intensity level, our focus, uh, it's gotten chippy a lot. It's very competitive, uh, and that's good to see right now. So when I can come back uh, in three to four weeks, I'm going to pick up right where I left off. And we'll go from there. I mean, all I can ask for is to be healthy, and then from there, um, I'll just get back within the team. And these guys, these guys know that they'll, they won't have to worry about me, and so that's why I'm trying to help them focus on just playing the game and not so worry about the position I'm in. You kind of touched on the accountability of being there <clears throat> as a captain on the team, being there for your teammates while you're not actually playing. And we talked about goals for the team long term. Uh, just kind of talk about your own personal goals for the season. First and foremost, health. Uh, I think that's number one. I would say playoffs. Obviously, uh, with the loss of Superior in the conference, uh, that's one less team. Uh, so now there's eight teams vying for six spots. So, um, you know, I think people would think the opposite, but I think it makes it even more challenging just because uh, – 
all eight teams are thinking they don't want to be one of the two left out. They you know it's competitive top to bottom where uh, there's probably four or five teams that could win the playoffs if they get there, especially with how wide open the league is this year. Uh, so my biggest thing is following the process of what we're doing, me getting healthy back, uh, and then just getting dialed in. I mean, um, we're going to feel completely different from now in the middle of February when we're winding down the season. So uh, consistency is a big thing for me and coming every day. And I tell the guys this a lot, that uh, it's possible to have a great practice every day. Um, a lot of guys worry about if they're not playing well or if they're not hitting shots and all this. But uh, if you bring the mentality that we're playing something in the long run and playing for something bigger than just us as individuals, I think that really impacts how we approach practice and how we approach competing against other teams. Cool. Um, and then uh, lastly, um, you know, you have that weekend action coming up in Iowa uh, against the Iowa um, team this weekend. Um, the Johnson Bank tip-off. Uh, what are you expecting as far as competition in Waukesha? Well, tonight, 5 p.m., I believe we play Luther College, which is a good program from what I know. Keegan Sheevy, our student assistant that was here a few years back uh, when we came in together from Superior, he actually played there for two years before he decided he wanted to coach. Um, so uh, if I'm not mistaken, they made the, the NCAA tournament a few years back. Uh, so I know they've been a solid program tonight. Um, they're going to run a ton of down screens, pin downs, cross screens. Uh, they have, I think, three guards that are their top three leading scorers. So we're going to have a work cut out for us uh, as far as defending those different types of screens, and our guards are going to have to come ready to play and go back at them on the offensive end. Um, I know Carroll's hosting the tournament. They've always been a good program. Uh, I know some people that are actually playing there and that have played there in the past. Um, some coaches that used to be there. So uh, we're looking for a great opportunity. I mean, we I guess we consider this our Thanksgiving tournament, and uh, we'd like to walk away uh, 2-0. and We're going to take a second, <clears throat> kind of go away from uh, the sports talk for a second, and we're going to go, go ahead and have the second official game through this uh, Blue Gold Radio update of Google Feud. Essentially, it's a modified family feud. You've got teammates, though. You've got Trent Tetzloff. You've got Ellis Williams. Essentially, what happens is Google will try to finish a search query. You have four different categories to choose from. You've got culture, people, names, and questions. And I will let you choose. Well, I'm going to have to go with uh, culture. All right. Culture. Google... Are you blank? What the hell? You're up first. Google, are you tired of dumb questions? Decent. Tired of dumb questions? One <laughs> X. Trent, you're up. Um, I'm going to have to go with Google, are you searching? That's good. That's good. Nothing. Oh. <laughs> Wow. Two strikes. Two strikes. I'll right. up. I'll save us here. Google, are you mad, bro? <laughs> what? The? Uh, That's a three strike. <laughs> That's uh, I'll go top three answers. Google, are you better than Siri? Google, are you there? And Google, are you my friend? Wow. Well, Google feud has been taking down the best of them, <laughs> but when it comes down to it, we couldn't be happier to have you on today's show. 
Thanks for coming in, Adam. Hopefully we can have you in, uh, if not again this semester, uh, for sure next semester, and get an update of where the team's at. But for this Blue Gold Radio update, that's all we've got. We've got to thank WUEC 89.7 for the time in the booth. Uh, please check out spectatornews.com and hear the rest of the rest of today's show. Welcome back, Triple Threat listeners. This is the Triple Threat Podcast. Got Trent Tetzloff, sports editor, Ellis Williams, managing editor, and of course, Austin May, your host, editor-in-chief. We've got, you know, some good stuff to talk about today. Pretty excited for this. We've had to bump it back the past two weeks, but we finally have our mid-season look back. And even though it's not the mid-season of the NFL anymore, we still get to make fun of each other for our original power rankings. It'll be a good time and lots of embarrassment to ensue, but let's start with the Thursday night football game. Uh, face value, this game looks really boring. It's an AFC South clash between the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And as this color rush continues, Trent, I think there's a real chance the Packers might be wearing all green against Detroit. At, at this rate, I think it's probably going to happen. Yeah, with how ugly those Jacksonville uniforms looked last night, I wouldn't be surprised if they threw a little curveball at us and the Packers did something. Here but. we go. As a glorified uniform lover, I actually didn't hate that shade of yellow for Jacksonville, to be honest with you. Yellow? Wasn't that like orange? Well, I'd call it more of a gold, to be real. But fair enough. I consider gold kind of a yellowish. But yeah, as far as the game went, I caught the second half, and according to uh, those who cover the Jaguars and the Titans, I caught the right half of football to catch because it uh, was there were some entertaining moments. There were some good throws by Bortles, and uh, really though, it's not a great game, and it kind of uh, really encapsulates the entire division's play right now. Jacksonville is in it and has a good shot to win. And Jacksonville beat the Titans last night, and uh, my only thoughts really were, yeah, both teams' O-lines. Like, really, you're pretty pretty screwed in the NFL if you don't have a decent O-line, and both the teams definitely looked like they were struggling, but you got to give uh, the Titans' Mike Malarkey some credit. Uh, picking up a team that already had poor morale and got their coach fired. He's trying to do his best. They had a shot to win this game. They gave it up. But, Trent, any thoughts? Yeah, um, my one big takeaway from this game is really um, how uh, how much Marcus Mariota has improved uh, since he's come into the NFL. Uh, like you said before, their offensive line is paper thin. No receivers to throw to. You know, when, you're, when your top receiver is Doriel Green-Beckham, um, who had three catches for 40 yards last night? It just there's something that's there's there's no weapons there. Um, Marietta is doing a great job with what he has around him, um, and it's just really um, shown me uh, how much he's grown since he's uh, went to college at Oregon, and uh, how much of a pocket passer he has become um, since just being simply um, a run, running quarterback and out of the pocket quarterback at Oregon. Um, so really, um, I was just happy to see him do well last night. Um, and look for him to grow with the Titans as they get more weapons around him. We're going to jump to our triple threat takeaway segment, essentially triple threat. There's three of us. We have three takeaways from the world of sports in the week. I am the resident MMA head, so I'm going to have to talk about Rousey getting her lights knocked out by Holly Holmes' left foot in that UFC matchup last weekend. It was absolutely unreal. Going to give a little shameless plug here to Brothers Bar and Grill, which, unfortunately, they should cut the name Grill out of their name because all they have is popcorn. I'd love some food there. But I digress. At Brothers... Everyone in the crowd expects Rousey to win. She's the glorified best woman's fighter of all time. And then there it goes. Holly Holm hits her with a short little uppercut. She staggers her. Rousey falls to the ground. 
Holly Holm helps her get up, pushes her just within reach of her high head kick, and knocks Ronda Rousey out. Ronda Rousey needed plastic surgery, and she hit her face from the from basically the paparazzi when she returned to the United States. The fight itself took place in Melbourne, Australia. And basically my main takeaway is, oh, Dana White could not have hoped for something better for the UFC than Holly Holm to beat Ronda Rousey because now you're going to have Ronda Rousey, who in still, still in my opinion is the best female fighter at any weight class in mixed martial arts. Even though she's not the champion, I cannot wait for the, I see it now, UFC 200. It will take place next summer. It will be Rousey Home 2. Oh, it's going to be so good. And John Jones, arguably, in my opinion, the best MMA fighter of all time. Uh, he's been reinstated from his suspension. He's working at getting back to the UFC. He posted a kind of uh, kind of murky Instagram post the other day saying uh, working toward his fight. Nothing's uh, declared yet, but it sounds like he thinks he's going to be fighting in about two and a half months. So very exciting stuff for MMA fans. I'll send it over to Trent. All right, uh, yeah, so my uh, takeaway this week, um, last night I stayed up late, um, and it was totally worth it. I got to watch the whole uh, Golden State Warriors um, and Los Angeles Clippers game after I watched uh, my uh, Milwaukee Bucks fall to the Cleveland Cavaliers, unfortunately. Um, Yeah, I'm crying inside. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the Clippers-Warriors game was hyped up, and it was really uh, just a great game. Uh, the Clippers got off to such a hot start and were up by um, double digits after the f- first quarter, and really Chris Paul just outplayed Steph Curry for 40 minutes. It was unbelievable what he was doing, hitting threes, pulling up um, in Steph Curry's face, hitting threes, finding Blake Griffin, um, the rest of that deep team that they have. Um, it's unbelievable to look at the depth that the Clippers have with Josh Smith, um, those sort of guys on the bench, but just really, it was it was such a great game. But then um, came down to the fourth quarter, and you know who knew it? Steph Curry brings them back. Um, the Warriors shoot seventy three percent in the fourth quarter. Just unbelievable. You knew that they were going to make a run, but you didn't know it was going to be of um, this nature um, in the fourth quarter. And they really just embarrassed the Clippers on their home court, and it just really made me believe that the uh, Warriors are going to keep this undefeated. Uh, record going for a while here uh, my takeaway will be brief but I just want to talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves because I'm not sure how much of an opportunity we'll get to talk about them <clears> on this <throat> podcast throughout the year uh, five and seven right now in the west and I'm not bringing them up because I think they have some backdoor playoff chance or whatnot this team won't be in the playoffs there's no seventh or eighth seed chance for these guys but the highlight and what's exciting for me as a Minnesota basketball fan is uh, really taking the pulse of the state if you will of the Twin Cities area Uh, just talking with a lot of people I know back home and being a fan myself this is really the most excited the most buzz um, a Minnesota basketball team has had since Kevin Garnett won the MVP we're talking Latrell Sprewell, Sam Cassell uh, Western Conference Finals versus the Lakers beating the Kings this series before that that type of excitement um we have arguably two of the most untradeable assets in the nba right now in andrew wiggins and carl anthony towns i think sure it's season's young but it's pretty obvious that if we were to redraft today carl anthony towns would undoubtedly go number one he did for good reason he's exactly if not more than what 
NBA scouts projected him to be. Andrew Wiggins continues to show up on everyone's Twitter feeds with ridiculous gifts and vines of his dunks and his blocks and simply his athleticism. Uh, this team really has two guys so as talented as I've heard in NBA guys that I listened to um, over the years, accredited guys who have said that uh, there has been two young, talented guys like this on the same team since Westbrook and Durant. And if that's where these guys project, that sort of star power, uh, it's exciting to be a Minnesota basketball fan right now. And I just wanted to plug them because, like I said, this team is in a backdoor playoff team. But uh, a couple of years from now, a foundation has truly been laid, and the season will go on as to Ander Flip Saunders, and it's an exact uh, replica of what he has built and the area could not be more excited. All right, we'll take a few minutes now, go back and look at our our preseason power rankings for the NFL, and then we'll jump over to Pick'em. But uh, right now I'm just going to look at it generally, the aggregate score that the triple threat preseason rankings were, and I'm going to uh, drop a sincere apology to Ellis Williams and Trent Tetzloff because I messed up the aggregate in the sense that mm-hmm. all of my projections were probably the most off. Let me just go into a couple that I personally did that have been uh, completely thwarted and now make our preseason predictions look like trash. And I will say before I go too much further, Ellis only had the Raiders at 28th as well, so I didn't completely sink this ship. But I had the Raiders at the as the 31st best team in the NFL, and I had the Lions as the 8th best in the NFL. Ooh. Basically, you can almost flip them around. ESPN rankings have the Raiders at 14th right now and the Lions at 30th. So, yeah, we can just look into this a little bit. Essentially, my biggest takeaway looking at the triple threat ranking is that it went uh, for the playoff picture, or for the top, I'll go top 12 teams. It goes Seahawks, Packers, Patriots, Colts, Broncos, Eagles, Steelers, Ravens, Cardinals, Saints, Cowboys, Chiefs. The Saints are playing like garbage. I, I told Ellis this last week, I don't see the Cowboys winning another game. Until Tony Romo comes back, there, Des Bryant is not Rob Gronkowski. He's not that kind of player that can completely pick up a team and truly put them on their back. That is Tony Romo's job for this Cowboys squad. The Ravens are done for. Uh, I think we'd mentioned it about a month and a half ago on the podcast, but Ellis and I had a conversation outside of the studio regarding Terrell Suggs and how important he was for that defense to work. Uh, the defense is still semi-productive, but you look at the defensive backs, and that's just really dragging this team down. Uh, guys, are there any things you see on this list that you feel are worth uh, grind- burning me over for right now? Yeah, uh, biggest thing that I saw, and it's it's not just you, it's all of us, we did not give the Bengals any respect. But why would we? Look at what they've done in the past few years. Look at what they've done in the playoffs. We would not give the Red Rider BB gun and Andy Dalton any respect. And, you know, Looking at it now, we should have given them respect, but, you know, we didn't, and that's that. Um, also, I also want to point out that I gave my Raiders some respect at the number 24 spot. Um, we're the highest on them. Yes. Um, so, I mean, that's good. I should have had them up a little bit higher. I'm sorry, Raiders, but that's all I've got for you. You also have the Jets 30th. Yeah, that's that's on me. Um, <laughs> yeah, hold up, hold up. I don't want to turn this into a crap on Austin segment, but essentially that's, that's what, I'm ready for it. That's what it's <laughs> my body is ready. So hold up. Excuse me. I'd like you to explain 
Tom Brady and the Patriots at seven, please. Just what? Please do that. For the me. defensive backs. That's what losing. Even though Browner is has been severely overrated for the last three years, uh, losing Darrell Revis. I mean, that was the number one thing that defense was known for. How it was able to line up with any team and go in press coverage and just kill him last year. And I thought they were going to take a major step back, but Belichick proved me wrong again. I'll try to throw you a bone. Did you think Tom Brady was going to miss the first four? That still doesn't explain seven, bro. Uh, I I mean, I no, not really. I thought he was going to get out of the appeal, but. I mean, look at that offense. The offensive, the interior of the offensive line were a bunch of uh, rookies, first-year players, no names. But in Patriots fashion, they were able to make it work. Their best player is Rob Gronkowski, which is great. I did not expect Deion Lewis to be the kind of player he was, and I don't think anyone in this room can say they expected him to become that kind of guy either. And, uh, yeah, you know, I'll own seven. That's fine with me. I can I can live with that. I can't live with putting the Colts, too. That's my problem. Um, one last thing, too. I wanted to know... Where you guys had, how come you guys had the Eagles so high? You guys had them four and five. I had them seven, which is relatively high too. But have you tried the Chip Kelly Kool Aid? It's pretty tasty. Couldn't agree more. Could <laughs> not agree more. Well, the beauty about the NFL, and though this season has been quite a roller coaster, uh, elite quarterback play tends to level uh, the playing field and clear this up. So don't expect too much flux in these final power rankings. Should shape up to be a fun playoff season. But it is that time of the day, our favorite segment here. We're going to roll with a little pick em. Don't have an updated score for you guys. We can do that next week. Uh, first game we're going to pick, and it's going to be a talking point. Uh, as the weekend rolls ahead, and right now on this podcast, we're talking Packers-Vikings. This game really hasn't had that much excitement uh, for a couple years now. Both teams fighting for a spot in the division and really... This game, and essentially I'm guessing Week 17, will decide the division. Excitement you guys have for this game, and then ultimately give me your pick. Uh, Yeah, I am super jacked. Um, The only uh, bad thing for me in this game is, uh, you know, half of my house, uh, six guys, half of them are Vikings fans, half of them are Packer fans. So it's usually a great time. Uh, Bad news is a couple of them are gone hunting, and those happen to be the two other Packer fans. So, uh, I'm stuck with a bunch of Vikings fans in my house this weekend, so I really need to pull through with the Packers. Um, are we making our pick right now? Let's too? do it. All right. Um, I was scratching my head just minutes before this. I still really do not know who is going to win this game, um, but I have to go with the Packers in this game. I have to believe that they're going to get out of the slump. I have to believe that Rob Domofsky calling Aaron Rodgers' mom and asking him questions about why Aaron Rodgers is struggling is the final straw for Aaron. He's going to be angry. He's going to be a bad man. Packers take this one. Uh, I am split, and I am one that I will not always take the Packers just because I know I, because I want them to win. But I'm going to take the Packers because I think Aaron Rodgers, not this season so far, or not over the last four games, but through the last few years of his career, is the kind of player that can take over a game. My main concern is uh, Zimmer's defense. That has been the the number one defense historically to stop Rodgers, and they they beat him up pretty well last year. The defense has improved, and the offense of the Packers has uh, gotten worse. So I think the Packers can still win, though, because that the Vikings' offense did not improve as much as I thought it would this season. I still would like Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback, but... You've got AP. He's rounding up into really good shape. You see him starting to get that fifth-gear gallop back into him, which is nice to see for Vikings fans. 
But as far as that offense goes, it doesn't uh, intimidate me that much. As long as the as long as Capers can count the numbers right and really, uh, in my opinion, call the right defenses, which basically I don't want them in base defense ever. They need nickel speed, if not dime package speed, to at least try to stop AP out there. If they can try to call the right plays, I think they can stop the offense. And if Rodgers can get a couple scores up, I think this could be a low-scoring but uh, close win for the Packers. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised with your guys' picks. Um, this, to me, is the easiest game to pick on this docket we have simply because this narrative has been written plenty of times in NFL history and especially Vikings-Packers history. Um, these two teams have a 1-1 split written all over their season. Um, Vikings getting this one week 17 will be for the division and we're not beating you guys in Lambeau I think it's as simple as that so Vikings get this one week 17 will be for the division and um, both teams likely meet in the playoffs also so all right up next here we got it's becoming tradition here on the triple threat podcast the Raiders Mm -hmm. traveled to Detroit and a Lions team that really was down and out and they have no playoff chance but sneak up and beat Green Bay last week. So this makes it an interesting one. Trent? Ooh. Well, you know, the last few weeks, uh, the Raiders picks have been tough for me, but this one's easy for me. Raiders. I don't like getting emotional with picks, but just to remind our audience, there is a wager between Trent and I. I don't believe that the Raiders, at the beginning of the season, I said I didn't believe the Raiders would win more than five games, so that is six or above, and they're en route to do it right now. However, Alden Smith finally got penalized for that incident last year, last summer, whenever it was, and I'm going to pick emotionally here. I think the Lions are feeling hot after that win against the Packers. They're going to smoke the Raiders. I'm not giving you anything, Trent. Let's go. Austin, I'm right there with you. I think this is a Lions game. Uh, Picking up ground on you boys. (laughs) You know, it'll be interesting. But, you know, Detroit made some things happen last week, and I think they ride the momentum into their uh, home field and get the job done. Up next, really turning to NFC North conversation here, but we have Broncos, Peyton Manningless, traveling to Chicago with a team that has found some second life. Who you guys got? Do we call it the Cutler Bowl since he's Mm. – Don't both jerseys? Yeah. yeah, um, Where we're at. So, Trent, who you got? You know, really, the Bears, to me, have been a question mark. They have really been a surprising team. Um, As much as I do not like Jay Cutler, he has really surprised me this year. Jay Cutler has played decent football this year, and I really do think that uh, the Broncos will be lost without Manning. Um, It'll be kind of interesting to see what Osweiler can do, but I really got to pick the Bears in this one. They they, um, have a good running game with the... um, new running back that came in for Forte, and uh, Jeffrey is healthy once again, so we'll see what they can do. Oh, I don't I don't think it's that easy. I think Broncos win this game, and I think it's oh. because Osweiler got put in after Peyton Manning had buried the team, and it was pretty clear that Osweiler was going to have to pass on almost every down to really catch them up, give them a, give them a blank slate, give them a team that, uh, give them a week to take all the number one snaps. I think they're going to be good there, and the Bears offense, I'm a Jay Cutler apologist. Frankly, at this point, I have truly become one, and I think that uh, really that offense is on and off, and with that kind of defense and that pressure they're going to be bringing and stuff like that, ugh, not good for the Bears. Uh, I'm not going to say it's going to be a blowout, but I think the Broncos win this one. I'm surprised. I put this game on here as sort of a trap game for you two. I thought you'd take the Bears, and I was going to gain a game on uh, <clears throat> taking the Broncos. Uh, this kind of has the narrative of backup quarterback comes in, n- no expectations, and they win this game. So, Austin, we're on the same uh, idea rolling there. Uh, Sunday night football, Bengals, Cardinals should be a good one, Trent. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a great game. Uh, however, 
after watching the Bengals lose to the Texans this past week um, and really watching Arizona play great against the Seahawks, I'm going to have to go with Arizona. Yeah, same. I think they're I think they're the best team in the NFC. Wow. Yep. Bold statement. Could not agree more. This game um, would be a lot closer if it was played at noon. There was eight other quarterbacks playing, but for some reason when Andy Dalton's the only one to watch, he freezes up, so give me the Cardinals. Uh, this one should be quick. Monday night, Bills at Patriots. Uh, <laughs> Patriots. <laughs> Patriots. Yeah. Roll Gronk, roll. All roll right. Gronk. That is all the time we have. I want to thank WUEC 89.7 for the time in the booth. Alice, can I stop you real quick? What up, what up? Short PSA. Uh, I, if, if either of you disagree with me, I know Alice agrees with me on this. Uh, Trent, if you do, please uh, speak up. But let's just talk about Cam Newton receiving all sorts of criticism for celebrating in the end zone and offending his opponents. If you don't want him to dance, don't let him score. Football's a game. Get over it. And Andy Dalton getting upset at first glance, being called the Red Rider BB gun, get over it. You <laughs> lost. You got beat by J.J. Watt and his team. You didn't play well. Own it. Be a leader. Couldn't agree more. We talked about uh, the NFL should bring end zone celebrations back. Absolutely. Yep. It's and it, it's an entertainment product, and I understand that it trickles down. And it affects uh, sports at you know like a ch- at the child level, but if you can't, if you're not having fun, if you can't celebrate after scoring a touchdown, this is a game at the most basic level. I think the NFL really needs to not only check that, but it goes back to a recurring theme we've discussed in this room many times over the last year and a half. Uh, when it comes down to how children should act, you can't put it on coaches and teammates. you got to put it on the parents. Raise them right and teach them yeah. when to celebrate and when not to and so they so that they know they can celebrate in a game. And you know what? If your kid's offended because someone scored on them and they're dancing in the end zone, maybe it'll inspire them to do better. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Get your popcorn ready. There we go. Expect Cam to keep rolling. All right, for Ellis Williams, Trent Tesloff, and Awesome May, I'm signing off. Have a great fantasy weekend, everyone. I love cheesecake. I love cheesecake at nighttime, real late at night. Cheesecake.